Do you have a desire to help families thrive? Named one of the best Christian workplaces in Canada, Focus on the Family Canada is looking for skilled, passionate people to join our dynamic team. We are currently looking to fill positions in marketing, accounting, graphic design, donor relations, and web development at our head office in Langley, BC. If you or someone you know feels called to be part of our dynamic team, explore current job openings today at focusonthefamily.ca employment. I became a believer at 10, but I didn't break up with perfect until I was in my 40s. And huh. so I lived in this trap of feeling like I had to earn God's love and acceptance, my husband's love and acceptance, my kids' love and acceptance, my friends' love and acceptance for decades. Well, maybe you can relate with that feeling of always having to work to earn approval. That's Amy Carroll, and you'll hear more from her today on Focus on the Family about finding rest in the fact that your life doesn't have to be perfect. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. Uh, John, relationships are complicated, have you noticed? I have. (laughs) They can be very complex. But the most complicated relationships are the ones we have maybe with ourselves, Uh, Have you ever thought of it that way? I mean, think about that. You have thoughts and ideas and conversations in your head. One side of you is trying to convince the other side to do the right thing, right? Mm. I mean, those things happen. We all want to be the best parent, the best spouse, the best friend that we can be, especially in the Christian context. And uh, sometimes we struggle with that because of our flesh and our sin nature rises up. Uh, Today, we want to remind you that you are enough, I mean, that's, it's hard to embrace that, but you are enough in that you are unconditionally accepted and loved by God. And uh, today we're going to hear from an author, Amy Carroll, who has described this in a wonderful book called Breaking Up with Perfect. And I'm looking forward to it, John. And I am too. Uh, we're thrilled to have Amy with us. She's also a speaker with Proverbs 31 Ministries and a podcast host and is married to Barry. They have two grown sons. We can tell you more about Amy and her book when you call 800, the letter A and the word family, or check it out at focusonthefamily.ca. Amy, welcome to Focus on the Family. Oh, thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. I'm looking forward to it. I love your energy. This book, Breaking Up with Perfect, let's start with this question. You make an analogy between bad boyfriends and perfect, I'll use air quotes, Mm. perfect boyfriends. Uh, (laughs) Share what you're meaning by that. Did you find Mr. Perfect in your husband? Well, yes, and he has said, how dare I write a book called Breaking Up with Perfect that I have to stay, and he's right. (laughs) He's in the audience, so we're definitely throwing you a softball for the opener. I do give me the perfect man for me, for sure. But all of us probably have that bad girlfriend or bad boyfriend in our past. And when we think about that person, usually we started with this huge attraction. So he looks so good. And we just were so excited about trying to connect with him. And so for girls, especially, I think a lot of times we'll try to morph into whoever we think he wants us to be. And so we dress the way we think he wants us to dress and we talk the way we think he wants us to talk and we show up wherever he is and bat our eyelashes a little bit and we work and work and work. Is that how it's supposed to work? I never knew well, this. this is allegedly teenage girls, right? Um, but then we work and work and work to try to get this boyfriend and then we get him. And he is not at all what we thought he would be because he's the bad boyfriend. 
He's the one that makes us feel less than, who makes us feel like we never measure up. And it's hard to get out of that relationship once our self-esteem starts to be affected. And perfection is the same way. Well, in your title, I want to make sure people are grabbing what you're trying to express, breaking up with perfect. I think what you're talking about is this glamorous view of perfect, either externally or with ourselves, which is what I was mentioning in the opening there having that breakup with yourself and that conversation with yourself. What do you mean by breaking up with perfect? Just give me the definition. Well, that's such a great question because I think our culture has gone swung to some really opposite extremes. So on one hand, we have social media coming at us and and the things on our screen that show perfect beauty, perfect um Physique. Well, uh, yes. All, you know, all kinds of perfection coming at us all day, every day. And on the other hand, there's been this uh, swing in our culture where people are talking about embracing your imperfections. Well, I think scripture reflects something different because it does say, Jesus says, be perfect as I am perfect and be perfect as our father is perfect. So what does that mean? Well, the root word there actually means whole, mature or complete. I love that. So God is calling us to be perfect. He's calling us to be whole, mature and complete. What I'm talking about in breaking up with perfect is this whole um, idea of perfection that we've developed in our own mind, like you said, Jim, this relationship with ourselves and our own thoughts of what we think is supposed to be perfect. When you say your relationship with perfect led you to being discontent in your marriage mm. for over a decade. Now, some women are saying, that's nothing. I've got three decades <laughs> of believing <laughs> yeah. this. Mm. And uh, you know, I think, again, this goes right to the bullseye of what you're expressing in the book. Why do we feel we have to be perfect and why, particularly for women, when it comes to their marriage and what their expectations are about their marriage, um, why are they expecting more than what can be delivered? And to give us your example of your marriage. Well, absolutely. I think there are two things in women's lives that really amp up this perfectionism. One is our marriage, and the other one is parenting. And those were the two places where it just started <laughs> to explode in my life. And I walked down the aisle with a train loaded down with expectations. And, <laughs> and I call these things the pictures of perfect in my head. I had an idea of the way everything should work, the way everything should look, and one of them revolved around making our bed. Now, that seems really silly, right? But my parents have an amazing marriage. And one of the things that I loved about my parents' marriage is that they always went to bed together. And then they always got up together. Mm -hmm. When their feet hit the floor, they immediately stood across the bed from each other and made the bed together. To me, somehow in my mind, that translated to what a perfect marriage looked like. <laughs> you held on to that, it's right? So silly, There's probably right? harp music in the background, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> and of course, when my mom read this in my book, she was like, Are you serious? Yeah. But this is the way. <laughs> he never made it right. Your dad. <laughs> That's probably right. Um, but uh, I had really internalized that. Well, Barry's a night owl, 
I'm a morning person. <laughs> we rarely go to bed at the same time. We never get up at the same time. I made the bed by myself. For over 15 years, this was just one of those low-level discontent places in my heart and in my mind. Now, if you would have asked me, do you have a happy marriage, I would have said yes. But until I started recognizing what kind of expectations that I had put on Barry in our marriage and letting go of those, there was always this low-level discontent. Mm. And when I started letting these expectations go, the happiness quotient in our marriage just multiplied. It was amazing. But when you get to Barry's understanding of your expectations on behalf of husbands (laughs) worldwide, did you ever actually say, Barry, this is what I expect, that we get up in the morning and make our bed together? Yeah. Did he ever? I mean, you got to tell us. No. And he is sitting out in the gallery <laughs> shaking his head no. I mean, that's uh, a pro- So like after a week. Is this the first time he's heard this? <laughs> <laughs> Barry, make the bed. <laughs> well, when he read the book, there were a lot of revelations. <laughs> well, actually. this is the point. Yeah. Yes. How can that be? Uh, where are we falling down as couples? I mean, husbands, we're not always on the ball picking up the cues. So, what advice do you have to that married woman that is expecting things from her husband that she's never actually expressed? And that frustrates her that he doesn't know it. Exactly. When I started recognizing my own expectations, I asked Barry one day, because I realized how many I had brought into our marriage and how it was affecting our marriage negatively. So I asked Barry, so Barry, what did you expect when we got married? (laughs) And seriously, he had the most puzzled expression on his face. I was going to say, maybe one? Yeah, he Maybe said two? <laughs> um, that you would love me forever. I mean, he was seriously puzzled. Yeah. And so I realized and when I reflected back that Barry's greatest gift to me over the years is that he has just let me be that he has had no expectations, that he has supported me and encouraged Mm. me. When I realized that, it became my life's goal as a wife to give that gift back. But it has changed everything for me. Let me give you an example. Last year, my husband was in a really hard place at work, and it was a hard time for him. And for the very first time, I realized I am feeling compassion for my husband. Now, I've been married for a long time, and really it makes me tear up to even say that for the very first time, I had this great compassion for him. So I started asking myself, how come I haven't felt compassion for him before? And I realized it was because I was always critiquing him before. Mm-hmm. Well, so, and you know, I'm the worst to myself, but man, I'm going to help everybody around me be perfect too. That's the way I had always viewed it before. It's so damaging well, to our relationship. And Amy, I so appreciate that vulnerability. One of the things that I wanted to get to in your book, Breaking Up with Perfect, is this idea of perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love the topic because, again, I think so many people, and I think particularly wives, women, are struck with this, mm-hmm. this enabling of perfection. Describe perfection a little more concisely for you and how it has manifested in your life. Let's start there. Okay. Well, first of all, I've had so many women who have read my book or heard me speak who have said, well, I never considered myself a perfectionist. But what I would say to your listeners, if you're listening today and you walk around feeling like you don't measure up, you are a perfectionist. That seems pretty broad. 
Yes, because it can, well, a lot of people say, well, I'm not a perfectionist because I don't have to have the perfect house. Or I'm not a perfectionist because I'm a little bit fluffy. Maybe you're like me and a little fluffy. And so you think I don't have the perfect body, like, you know, what's on the magazine covers or things. But usually, my friend Kathy Lips says that there are pocket perfectionisms. And so we have this place that is important for us that we have these unrealistic expectations. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you're a perfectionist in every area of your life. The way that it has manifested for me is in my relationships. A friend of mine asked me, what's the worst thing that perfectionism has done to you? And I said, immediately, without even having to think, it has damaged my relationships. I went through a five-year period where four close friendships imploded. Now, whenever that happens, there's always two in the relationship. Well, However, they were imperfect friends, obviously. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. But when I thought, started thinking about all this hurt and the damage behind me, I realized mm. that I was the common denominator. That was a really powerful and painful realization. Mm. And that's when God started showing me my perfectionism and how it was damaging yeah. my relationships. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Do you want to make your strong marriage even stronger? In this free seven-part video series called Enrich Your Marriage, Focus on the Family Canada marriage therapists Wayne Reed and Vicki Hooper will help you go beneath the surface, discover what your heart wants and needs, and then equip you with practical tools you can use to strengthen your relationship. Sign up for this free video series called Enrich Your Marriage at focusonthefamily.ca slash enrichyourmarriage. Do you love the ever-changing field of digital and content marketing? Do you have proven experience developing marketing campaigns and leading a team? Named one of the best Christian workplaces in Canada, Focus on the Family Canada is looking to fill the position of Head of Integrated Marketing in Langley, BC. If you or someone you know feels called to use their marketing and leadership skills to serve families, explore current job openings today at focusonthefamily.ca slash employment. Peanut butter and jelly, macaroni and cheese, campfires and sing-alongs. The folks at Deeks Insurance know that good things come in pairs. That's why when you bundle your home and auto insurance with Deeks, you save. It's just one of the ways they're looking out for you. Because at Deeks, you're treated like family. And as a licensed insurance brokerage, they've been taking care of families just like yours for over four decades. Visit deeksinsurance.ca to learn more about how Deeks can help you save. Deeks Insurance, where family matters. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Amy, you described two kind of belief systems with perfectionism, and that that's where I want you to drive this next answer is uh, your explanation about good girl syndrome and never good enough girl syndrome, because I think that hits to the heart of many, many women. Absolutely. Well, see, I think the root of perfectionism actually begins someplace good, which sounds strange. But I believe that because we're made in the image of God, that he has created us with two big realizations. First of all, that he is perfect. And he's perfect in the most beautiful ways. He's perfect love and perfect grace and perfect um, mercy and 
And all of that is rolled into a ball that the Bible calls holiness. And he is perfect. He is holy. And then the second realization is we are not. Mm. And so those are both really important realizations to have to lead us to a place that we understand that we need a Savior. But the problem is, is that most of us go a little wonky at that point. And what we do is we start to make lists about how we can be perfect. So the good girls, the those with the good girl list, that's the list of all the things that I have to do to measure up, to earn God's love and earn his acceptance. What are examples on that list? Oh, I mean, I've had all kinds of things. Well, for you Christian girls out there, that I have to do my quiet time at a certain time every single day for God to accept me and love me, that can be a trap. Um, Does God want to spend time with us every day? Absolutely. Is he going to love me less because I don't read my Bible at seven o'clock every single morning? No, he's not. So it can even go, and for me, it did. I, I became a believer at 10. But I didn't break up with perfect until I was in my 40s. And so I lived in this trap of feeling like I had to earn God's love and acceptance, my husband's love and acceptance, my kids' love and acceptance, my friends' love and acceptance for decades. I want to ask you, you know, because my heart goes out to the person who's struggling with that, the Mm. woman who's struggling with that. And when I hear that, um, it can be rather intimidating. Mm. And how, how do I get there? I mean, I measure myself by getting up and doing my devotion at seven, and I go exactly 30 minutes because I know God will be pleased with 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just playing this out in my head. Absolutely. Um, but how do I believe that God is still uh, tender toward me if I do 10 minutes or if I'm sloppy and I do it at 7.05? I mean, it, it sounds a little bit, or yeah, man, I've got three and five-year-olds and I can't get to it today. Yes. How how do you move from that feeling of guilt to the feeling of God still loves me no matter what and be comfortable with it? I think we have to let go of this idea of earning anything, Mm. that we have to rest in God's love. Years ago, um, as this process started for me, I sat down with a friend of mine named Ray, and she's been a, uh, I hadn't known her long at that point, but. I had asked her if we could sit down. I just feel like God had something to say to me through her. I didn't know what it was. And at that point, I was hiding all of this really, really well. And so she listened to me for a little bit, and she goes, Hey, Amy, um, what I want to know is when that list of yours doesn't turn out the way you thought, what's going to happen to your faith? And I immediately started crying. Now, mind you, I was part of the Proverbs 31 speaker team. I was writing devotions. I was teaching Sunday school. I was doing all the stuff. And I could not feel God's love for me at all anymore. And it was because all the stuff was part of my good girl list. And so um, she said, I want you to pray that God would break through that shell around your heart and that you would experience God's love for you. And so I came back to her several weeks later and I said, Ray, I'm listening to songs about God's love. I'm reading books about God's love. I'm reading scriptures about God's love. I'm working so hard and I still can't feel God's love. And she goes, Amy. Did you just hear yourself? You said you're working to feel God's love. She goes, you can't work to feel God's love. You have to rest 
in God's love. That's the good girl syndrome, Amy. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned also the never good enough girl. Well, it's funny because when I wrote the book, I thought that you were either one or the other. But my childhood best friend, Josie, was part of this whole process of writing the book and my launch and all that stuff. And and she said to me, Amy, I swing between the two. And I realized I did too. (laughs) So the never good enough list is the list of all the things that we've done that we feel like we cannot earn God's love. So the guilt list. The guilt list, the shame list. And sometimes what I've learned from talking to other women is we don't even earn that list, that it's handed to us. The the very people who are supposed to love and nurture us are the people who tell us we'll never be good enough. Sometimes it's culture that hands it to us, that culture who says you don't have the right address or the right skin color or the right paycheck. And so that never good enough list can be generated a lot of different ways. But it's both of the lists, the good girl list and the never good enough list, they both separate us from God because what we need is a savior. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's so true. Uh, Amy, you have also a funny story in the book about wanting to be that normal Christian family. <laughs> I love that title, the normal, normal Christian family. Yeah. But what went wrong? <laughs> well, I have been blessed to have so many mentors in my life. And so I was really thrilled one day when one of the college girls at our church came up to me and said, Amy, could I come over and spend time at your house? I need to see the normal Christian family. Now, this girl had grown up. <laughs> and you yeah, welcomed the right? scrutiny, right? Exactly. And you showed up at John and Dina's house. <laughs> <laughs> I wish she had. <laughs> but I said, well, I don't promise the normal Christian family, but you can can come and hang out. Well, I said that, but it was still in my days of my worst perfectionism. So I went into Christian um, cleaver mode. You know, I wanted to present the perfect (laughs) Christian woman to this young girl who was seeking me out. And so I, um, I'm really challenged in the kitchen. So I did my best and I was making grilled cheese and some chips and a dill pickle. Wait a second, you you had to do your best with grilled cheese? Grilled cheese is (laughs) kind of my best. I mean, don't talk to me about this. I, I am. This is not an area of perfectionism for me. My but perfect, she's let go of it, Jim, I'm so just it's loading okay. onto your guilt list. I know. Don't write me about that. I'm sorry, <laughs> Amy. Okay. Yeah, my idea of a perfect meal is one that I dial out for. But anyway, that's a different thing. That's okay. Um, and so I had gotten oh, – I was getting lunch together, and I had my Bible open. You know, I'd been praying about what to share with her. Well, my three-year-old was not on board with this whole plan. Uh And so he was just, as we say in the South, cutting a rug and (laughs) (laughs) misbehaving. And so, and he was not going to stop until I gave him my full attention. So I told her, "Um, please excuse me for a minute. And we went upstairs to, I gave him my full attention for a few minutes. (laughs) What are you doing? Yes, exactly. And I'm trying to be perfect. Exactly. (laughs) And you are showing me up, right? This is a whole different parenting show. Right, I love it. Um, But I came down the stairs with my crying child on my hip, (laughs) and all of a sudden, I realized that there was smoke swirling around my head. My grilled cheese was on fire. (laughs) And so I rushed back in the kitchen, turned off the burner, and I I felt so humiliated. My child was misbehaving. My lunch, my meager lunch, was ruined. And everything in me wanted to hand her $5 and tell her to go to McDonald's. (laughs) and never come back to my house again. Thanks for playing. (laughs) Yes. But in that moment, you know, God was doing a work in me even then. I really heard that still small voice in my ear. Will you love her enough 
And will you love me enough to open up your life, warts Mm. and all? And the amazing thing about that is that in that moment, I've made lots of wrong decisions, but in that moment, I made the right decision. And I said, hey, so much for the perfect Christian woman. Like, let's just go from here. And um, years later, when my friend, who was her campus um, ministry person, asked this girl, what do you want your life to look like? She said, I want my life to look like Amy Carroll's. And, you know, that really makes me teary every time I tell it because she saw my life warts and all. So she didn't see perfection. She saw a woman who loves Jesus, who loves her family, and that's what she wanted too. Boy, that is so well said. It's exactly uh, (laughs) what we want to project in a healthy way, that this is normal. Normal is messy. Yes. Yeah. What's not normal is when it's all perfect. Yes. You should have a little bit of suspicion when you're seeing that, that something's not quite right. And I love that, Amy. And uh, let me say, you went on from that day to create a list of 50 ways to leave you perfect, yes. which I think is uh, something we should post on the website, John. That's a great idea. Um, because I think it's your attempt, a great attempt, to say, here are the 50 ways that I was uh, you know, imperfect and still am. Yes, absolutely. And that list, I hope people will look on your website, because it's it's a, a really varied list. Some of the things are really serious, some scripture to memorize that will hopefully help you. But also there are some fun and silly things like wear mismatched socks, have a picnic on your living room floor. Oh, no, your, the best one, eat a Twinkie for lunch. Oh, there. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, you know, for a fluffy girl, that's like <laughs> a given. But, uh, no, that's yeah, great. absolutely. But those are fun things in there. I think the very first one, go through an entire day without any form of a list. Mm. Wing it. Mm. Wing it. You know how many women just went, what? Are you serious? I know. But that's a good thing, isn't it? (laughs) It's a good thing to do. This has been so helpful. I can see it. I feel it. Uh, Breaking up with perfect. We all have different prisms of what perfect looks like. And you've done a wonderful job getting people back down to the ground. What is our relationship with God? What should it look like? What is healthy? What's unhealthy? And you've knocked it out of the park, girl. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and I want you to have a copy of this in your tool chest. And uh, get a hold of us at Focus on the Family Canada. Um, we're here for you. We want you to be in a healthier place in your relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, order your copy of Amy's book when you call 800, the letter A, and the word family. When you get in touch, please consider supporting the work of Focus on the Family Canada today. You can donate when you call or do so by going online at focusonthefamily.ca. Amy, before we go, um, I'm mindful of that woman whose past is really the burden. She's carrying that baggage. How do you move, or how do you suggest she move from this bondage of imperfection to a better view of imperfection? Well, you know, one day I was sitting in my quiet time chair talking to the Lord and kind of enumerating all the ways that I feel like I'm a mess. And God, in that moment, I felt like whispered in my ear and said, I'm sorry that you are not happy with the way that I made you, but I am delighted with you. And as you can imagine, that just brought me to tears. And so for your listeners, I want you to hear this and let let it soak in today that God is delighted with you. There is... There's a blanket on the back of my couch that's one of the favorite things in my house because my grandmother made it. Mm. 
And Psalm 139 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And that blanket was knitted by my grandmother. When I think about the hours that she spent over that, she's gone now. So it's a piece of her that I have left. Jesus did the same thing for each one of us. He knit us together on purpose, and he delights in us just the way he made us. He loves us. Perfect place to end. Amy Carroll, author of the book, Breaking Up with Perfect. Thank you for your imperfection. Thank Mm. you for letting me express it here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we hope you'll stop by our website and get a copy of Amy's book. And uh, please, when you do, make a donation if you can. We've got lots of great resources to help strengthen and encourage your family. And you'll find us at focusonthefamily.ca or call 800, the letter A, and the word family. By the way, if you have vacation plans in or through Colorado this summer, we're going to invite you to come by and visit us here in Colorado Springs. There is so much to see and learn here at Focus on the Family's main campus, and your kids will love our Adventures in Odyssey play area as well. Coming up tomorrow, Dr. Gary Chapman explores the different seasons of marriage. He said, Dr. Chapman, we took that little quiz in the book, And he said, I came out that we were in a spring marriage, and my wife came out we were in a winter marriage. He said, so which is it? (laughs) I said, you're in a winter marriage. (laughs) (laughs) If one of you thinks it's winter, it's winter. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ.